Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are real. We thank you that you speak to us through your word. This Christmas morning, Father, help us to hear your voice that we might know you and know your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sometimes it's easy to mistake someone for something or someone that they are not. In February 2006, the then Vice President of the United States of America, Dick Cheney, was out hunting with his 78-year-old friend and lawyer, Harry Whittington, when Dick Cheney accidentally shot his lawyer in the face, chest and neck with his pellet gun. Apparently the two had split up and then the Vice President saw some rustling in the bushes and he thought it was a duck. And so he started peppering the whole area with his pellet gun, only to realise in significant shock that it was his lawyer and friend, Harry Whittingham. Now, unfortunately, Harry had to be rushed to hospital, but he made a full recovery, no doubt, to the relief of Dick Cheney, the vice president. However, it didn't stop all the late-night comedy TV shows in America and across the globe from going to town on this incident. Every politician and lawyer joke under the sun started to come out and have new life. But all jokes aside, I'm sure we can all remember when we have made maybe not such a dramatic mistaken identity case, but I'm sure we can all remember when we have fallen into that trap do you remember when you called your school teacher mum? Do you remember, parents, when you called your child by the wrong name? Or do you remember that time when you held the hand of someone you thought was your spouse or your partner only to discover in shock, oh, that's the wrong husband or wife? We've all done it. And I want to suggest at Christmas it's easy for us to fall into the same mistaken identity trap when it comes to the person of Jesus. We often see pictures of baby Jesus on Christmas cards at this time of the year appearing all helpless and vulnerable and very ordinary like any other baby boy and it's easy to forget that actually Jesus is someone extra ordinary, extraordinary and that reading from the Gospel of John, one of the biographies or the stories of the life of Jesus, I want you to see two things this morning, this Christmas morning, that show us just how extraordinary Jesus is. The first is, Jesus is fully God. Jesus is fully God. From verse 1 we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now that's a bit cryptic, those verses talking about this word. We're not told straight away that that word is Jesus. But when we get down to verse 17, you'll see quite clearly that John says the word is Jesus Christ. But notice the extraordinary thing that John says about the word, about Jesus. He tells us that Jesus was there in the beginning with God himself. Before anything else had existed, Jesus was there side by side with God the Father. More than that, John says the word Jesus is, was God himself. In other words, everything that you can say about God, John wants us to know you can say the exact same thing about Jesus. And that's what he goes on to say in verse 3. 
He says, all things were created through him, that is Jesus. And apart from him, Jesus, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. Everything that exists in our universe, everything that exists in our world, everything that is associated with your life is there because Jesus made it in the beginning. Everything that has life and breath in it has so because Jesus breathed that life into existence. Jesus is none other than God himself. And in Jesus, we see that God has clothed himself with human flesh, clothed himself with the experiences of humanity. And that's what verse 14 said. The word became flesh and took up residence among us. Took up residence is he came and lived with us. Not just moved into the living room, but lived the human experience in all of its challenges and all of its joys as well. God became one of us. J.B. Phillips, a famous author, tried to capture the significance of this idea that God would become part of his creation by telling a fantasy story of the Christmas event from the perspective of two angels, and a senior angel and a very young angel. And the senior angel takes the little angel on a tour of the, the known universe. And they flit about through galaxies that are spiralling and blazing suns until they get to the Milky Way galaxy with its billions of stars. And as the two angels draw near to what we know as our sun, the senior angel points out to the younger angel a small planet orbiting the sun. And to the young angel, that planet just looked like a dirty old tennis ball. But the senior angel said to him, I want you to watch that one particularly. But it looks so small and dirty, said the little angel. What's so special about that planet? The senior angel replied, Well, son, that is the renowned visited planet. Do you mean to tell me that our great creator and glorious prince went down in person to that fifth-rate little tennis ball? Do you mean to tell me that he stooped so low as to become one of those crawling creatures? I do, said the senior angel. As strange as it may be to us, he loves them. And he went down not just to visit them, but to lift them up to be like him. The little angel looked blank. Such a thought was almost beyond comprehension. And it may be beyond our comprehension as well. And yet that is the wonder of Christmas, that the baby lying in a manger, appearing all helpless and vulnerable and ordinary, is fully God. Fully God. I want you to see that this Christmas. And the second thing that I think John wants us to see this Christmas, yes, Jesus is fully God in all his majesty and power, but he is also full of grace. Full of grace. Verse 16 says that. Indeed, we have all received grace after grace from his fullness. Jesus is full of grace and his grace overflows to others. And it is good that Jesus came full of grace because the world that Jesus was born into so desperately needed grace. 
It was a world of darkness, a world not wanting anything to do with God, would much rather live life as if God didn't exist, a world not unlike our current world still today. And John tells us that Jesus came into that darkness and experienced it firsthand. It says, Jesus, he was in the world and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognise him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. You remember Jesus was born in Bethlehem and the reason he was born in Bethlehem is because there was a census at the time when everybody had to go back to their hometown, their town of origin. And so Mary and Joseph and their entire extended family had to go back to Bethlehem. And yet what are we told in the nativity stories about where Jesus was born in Bethlehem? He was born outside, maybe in a stable or a cave and laid in a manger. Why? Because there was no room anywhere. Jesus would have had family, friends there to receive and welcome him, but we're told they didn't have room for him. He came to that which was his own, and his own, even his own family, did not receive him. It's a horrifying picture, isn't it? Imagine going back to your house after church this morning to get ready for your Christmas family time together, and then your family say to you, who are you? I don't know you. This is not your home. You don't belong here. Get out. It would be horrible, wouldn't it? The very author of human life himself came to the world that he had made and the world said, we don't know you. Go away. And we know that that rejection would find ultimate expression when Jesus himself would be nailed to a wooden cross outside the city of Jerusalem. But the irony of that sad and horrible event is that it was all part of God's gracious plan. You see, when you read through the Bible, you see that God in his love deliberately sent his son Jesus into the darkness, not just to experience the darkness, but to some degree be overwhelmed by the darkness so that he would overcome it, so that he would conquer it. He would take all of our sin and rejection upon his shoulders, pay for it in full, to offer us in grace a new life, a fresh start with our creator God. And that's what John says in chapter 1. He says, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. Despite the darkness, God in his grace has enabled some people to see who Jesus truly is. He says that some people believe in his name. That is, they believe everything about Jesus, his divine origins, his humble birth, his miraculous life and teaching, his death and resurrection to pay for the world's darkness. And as a result, John says, of that trust and belief, God in his grace gave them the right to be children of God welcomed into his heavenly, eternal, joyful, all hope and comfort family forever. What a fantastic gift. You guys might be receiving and unwrapping many Christmas gifts today. Some smaller, some larger than this. But I can't think of any better gift than being welcomed by God himself into his 
heavenly family. And that gift is available for all of us even today. For John would later go to say some of the most famous words in all of history, indeed all of the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave the most precious gift, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is fully God and yet he is full of grace. I want you to see that this Christmas. Sometimes in our house, our Our kids, my three children, get a little frustrated on Christmas morning because they can see all of the presents accumulated under the Christmas tree. But we have a rule in our house that they can't unwrap the presents under the Christmas tree until after church on Christmas morning. And they have the double delight of their father being the minister of the church. And so they have to wait till two services have been done on Christmas morning before they can unwrap their... Now, we also give them some presents at the end of their bed. So when they wake up on Christmas morning, there's something that they can embrace straight away and enjoy. But the main presents under the tree, they can't touch until after church on a Christmas morning. Why do we do that? Well, it's not because we're mean to our children, although they may think differently. It's not just because we want to teach them the dangers of instant gratification and the importance of waiting for things that are good, although as good as that is, we do that because we want our children first and foremost to understand that as good as the material possessions that they will unwrap are under the tree, there is a deeper, more profound spiritual present that they need to see and experience first. That is that they are children of God because of what Jesus has done for them. Please, this Christmas... Don't sideline Jesus. And I say that in all seriousness because I know as you leave this place, today is going to be crazy, isn't it? You're going to go to family and to friends. You're going to gorge yourself on food, no doubt, all day. There'll be mess as kids unwrap. It's going to be a crazy day. And Jesus can quite easily, just by default, get moved into the background. Yes, you've come to church here first. Wonderful. But don't leave Jesus here. Take him with you. Don't sideline him. He is the biggest and best Christmas present that you could ever imagine. Be who John says to be. Receive Jesus. Welcome him. Believe him. Jesus is fully God and full of grace. Now thinking about mistaken identity again. Do you remember that time when you were a young child and you, were, you thought you were following your parents out of the school or in the shopping centre and you went up to who you thought was mum or dad and you grabbed hold of their hand or their leg and then you looked up in utter shock when you realised this is not your mum or this is not your dad? What did you do? My guess is you didn't stubbornly stay with them to save face. Like, okay, this is my new mum, this is my new dad. No, you didn't do that. You realised your error and you turned and you ran back to wherever real mum or dad was and you grabbed hold of their hand or their leg, probably even harder than you ever had. Can I encourage you this Christmas to do the same with Jesus? So often in life we, we leave Jesus to the side and we embrace the hand or the leg of many other things that we think will give us joy and satisfaction. And we can look at those things and even though we know they're not real and they will let us down eventually. We can stubbornly want to save face and say, no, I'm going to live this way. Can I encourage you? 
relive that inner child. Turn from those things and run back to your heavenly Father whose arms are open wide, really open wide, and says, I love you. Come back. Walk with me and enjoy my eternal heart.